Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 112. It's May 19th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Here at the Wealth Studying Podcast, I try and teach you 10 wealth building principles that'll help you not only build your personal wealth, but more importantly, build and attain your personal freedom. If you're not familiar with my 10 wealth building principles, you might want to go back and listen to the first 10 episodes of this podcast. That's where I lay out my thoughts and basically the foundation for how I've been able to build my wealth and my personal freedom over these last nearly 30 years or so. It's not something I read in a book. It's not something I learned in school. These are things that I learned through the school of hard knocks as I was learning how to earn and save and invest my money and also how my wife and I build our lifestyle together. Now, these ideas are general. They may not work for everybody, but they did work for me. That's why I lay them out in a simple format of 10 wealth building principles. And then I try and come back in every episode of Wealthsteading and then talk about or apply one or more of those principles to current events or trading strategies or what's going on in the stock market or answer listener questions in light of those wealth building principles. So that's what Wealthsteading is all about. It's about building wealth by first learning to earn and save and then taking that nest egg and learning how to invest it. I like to say the money may not buy happiness, but it can buy freedom because ultimately that's what this podcast is about. It's about you being able to amass enough assets and resources and money so that you can live your life the way you see fit, so that you can live your life pursuing your dreams and your passions, and so that you can live your life carrying out the mission that your creator puts you on this earth to do. And speaking of your mission and your purpose on life, well, that's a little bit what we're going to talk about in today's episode. I'll just quickly say, as far as the market goes, yes, both the Dow and the S&P are bouncing off of new highs, but we're also seeing some mixed signals. We're seeing some reversals. We're seeing some stocks do fairly well and others falling apart. A lot of the retail sector is really hurting right now. Some of the social media stocks have also not fared well in the last week or so. Oil continues to be very volatile. You know you've heard me talk about trading in and out and shorting oil over these past months or so. Today, oil was down nearly 4%. So it continues to be a very volatile market. And as I've been saying for several weeks now, for about six weeks, I remain primarily in cash. The stock market to me looks like it's richly priced and it's at all-time highs. I would not be at all surprised to see if we get some type of a correction as we go into the summer. And likewise, the bond market, particularly bond funds and those with longer durations, we're at a point now where because interest rates have been near historic lows, that means that bond prices are at record highs, particularly if the Federal Reserve decides to do something with interest rates later this year, which seems likely, or if in fact the market just unilaterally decides that they want a better return for the investment. Just over the past few weeks, we've seen the 10-year Treasury, where it was unable to hold a 1.7 or a 1.8 yield. Well, that's all changed in recent weeks. Even with the dollar trending downward, we've seen 10-year Treasury yields getting up in the range of 2.28%. Those are significant yield increases compared to what we saw back in February or March when we were barely hitting 1.7%. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of mixed signals. There's a lot of movement and rotation among stocks. Just like when a hurricane or a storm is blowing up on the ocean, I remain cautious. When there's a storm on the ocean front and the waves are pounding, the sand dunes, it's just a dangerous time to go in the water. You won't find me out surfing or fishing or swimming at those times. I'll be securely up on the beach. I'll be under an umbrella or I'll be in the hotel bar having a drink. That's a type of analogy that I draw to explain to you how I feel when I see uncertain markets. And that can even be an uncertain market even when we're making all-time highs. 
You see, even though the market's been flirting with these all-time highs, it's just a few percent above its 50-day moving average. And then the 200-day moving average is just a few more percent below that. So a 5 or a 6 percent correction could put this market below its 200-day moving average. Dropping below a 200-day moving average could be very likely, would not be unusual, and it would be something that I would actually look forward to. I would like to see something like that happen over the next few months because I wouldn't view that as chicken little with the earth falling or the economy collapsing. I would look at that as a buying opportunity. And I would rather buy into this market when it's 6 or 7 or 10% below where it is right now than when we're sitting at all-time highs at the same time that we see corporate profits slowing down. Well, I'm not going to say any more about the market today. I've already said too much. Let's jump into our main topic, and that's about the 112-hour work week. Now, you would say to yourself, what kind of a slave would work 112 hours a week? I mean, you always are seeing in the media, in the press, things about, you know, like a four-hour work week and people that are always goofing off and they have these high-tech electronic careers where they're able to live in any exotic place they want to. You know, they're in, in Bali somewhere. All they need is, a, is an internet cafe or an internet hookup and, and they put in maybe an hour or so each day and then they're done and they're off to their jet-setting lifestyle. Well, there's a lot of talk about that in the media, but i got to tell you something. I don't know anybody that lives that way. The successful people that I know, the people that I call middle-class millionaires, people that are financially independent, but they're just middle-class people, they don't live that kind of a lifestyle. They don't work just four hours a week. In fact, they work something closer to 112 hours a week. But they're not workaholics. They're not slaves to their desks. They're not chained to some computer somewhere. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today and explain the difference of. You see, if you're working for the man and you're stuck in some cubicle somewhere, and I use that as a, as a euphemism, I mean, you, you may have some high-level executive job, maybe you're even a CEO somewhere, but you're spending all your time at work, you're spending all your time away from your family, you're spending all your time in office-type related activities. And if you love that, that's fine, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're a professional and you're highly paid, but you still feel like you're a wage slave. And that's because you're not following your passions. That's because your life is structured around your job or your career. And the successful people that I know, the financially independent middle-class millionaires that many of you aspire to be, well, they're happy working many, many hours a week because rather than structuring their life around their job or their business, they've structured their business or their job or their career around their lifestyle. They have a lifestyle business. And that's important, and that's the key difference. You see, if you're doing what you love, then you're not working and slaving 112 hours a week. You're just spending every hour of the day that you're awake enjoying what you do, and because your business is built around your lifestyle, you're earning a living doing it. You're earning a wage. Those things that you're engaged in, they're helping you either provide a product or a service that people in your community want and need. And I'm talking about people in all different types of career fields. It could be professionals like doctors and lawyers. It could be men and women that are computer scientists or mechanical engineers or some other type of aerospace engineering. I know a number of engineers that just thrive and love what they do and, and they're also compensated very well for it. More than not, and particularly with the people I work with, it's small business owners. You see, if you're running your own business, it's much more easy to structure your business around your lifestyle than if you're working for the man, but it's still possible. As I mentioned, I know a lot of corporate engineers that are very happy and at the same time well compensated and they also have a lot of free time and they do what they enjoy. So you don't have to own your own business, but it helps. The other thing that I want to point out about these people that are very successful, they're financially independent, they're doing what they love, 
Just because all that's happening, it doesn't mean that what they do is glamorous. You're probably not going to see these people on a reality show. In fact, sometimes what they do, you may consider downright dull or boring. Many of the people that are financially independent, that are enjoying their lives, that have their lifestyle structured around their business, they're doing mundane things or, or what you would perceive as being mundane. They may be a plumbing contractor or they may be running an auto body shop. Or it may be somebody like me that spends my whole day studying and following the markets. I mean, that could be misery to some people if they had to spend all their time looking at a computer screen and looking at numbers and looking at trends. But I love that. And in fact, I don't spend my whole day chained to the computer screen. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But I do spend an inordinate amount of time doing it. But I, again, I love it. I used to be someone that when I worked for the man, I was in corporate America. I was in sales and marketing of industrial products. I spent the first half of my career traveling throughout the U.S., building my sales skills, visiting factories and other types of manufacturing and processing facilities here in the United States, primarily in the Midwest and in the Southeast. And then as I improved and I uh, honed my skills and I got better at it, I was promoted up and I moved more into international sales and marketing. And I did essentially the same thing, but I traveled all around the world. So I may be in Milan, Italy for a week, and then the next month I'd be two weeks in China, or I could be in Brazil or India or just all around the world. It was a great experience. I learned a great deal. I racked up a lot of frequent flyer miles. But you know what? That job, although it was fun and fulfilling and I did get to see, you know, it was very stimulating. I got to see a lot of things. It took me away from my hobbies. It took me away from my family. It didn't allow me to put down roots in my local community. And that's really what I wanted to do. And that's one of the many reasons that I started my own firm where I could have more of a control on my time so I could spend more time in my local community, more time with my family, more time doing the things that I love to do as far as my hobbies, and my interests go. So while a lot of the things I do may appear mundane, I spend a great deal of my time just looking at a computer screen, and that may seem boring to you. In fact, my, my brother, uh, not too long ago, said to me, well, don't you miss your lifestyle you used to have before? You were traveling all around the world. You, you, know, you went to the best restaurants. You did all these things, and now you just work from home. And I just smiled and laughed, and I told him, you know what? It may look to you like I'm working from home, but I'm not. When I'm researching stocks, when I'm trading in the market and doing these different things, I may be physically sitting in my house in the Rocky Mountains, but my mind takes me all around the world. I could be in Singapore, I could be in Germany, or I could be in London. All the information I'm taking in and I'm processing, I throw myself into it. I visualize where I'm at. I try and understand the markets that way and the, and the customers and the people that are buying the products and services of the companies that I'm studying and that I'm looking into to, to invest in. So while it may seem that I'm sitting in my office at home, I'm not. My mind is taking me all around the world. It's just as stimulating and as exciting to me traveling via my mind as it was when I physically did it when I was working for corporate America. But, I, but now I get to do it on my own terms. And anytime I want to get up from my desk and walk around or go out and do some physical research outside my home or meet with clients or attend a seminar or whatever I want to do, well, because I'm CEO of my own firm, I can do that. I can do what I want. I don't have to ask permission. I can get up and I can go out and I can do things and I can make things happen. That's a luxury that I never had when I was in the corporate world. So again, to me, that's why it's so exciting and thrilling. And that's why I say that maybe although I'm working 112 hours a week, it's not work. You may look at me and think I'm working, but I'm not. I'm out there enjoying myself. I'm engaging in the things that motivate me. I'm living out my passions. And that's the same thing with the clients that I have and the financially independent middle class people that I know and that I love and that I've, and that I've been studying for over 30 years. 
The man or woman that's the plumbing contractor or that own the auto body shop, they're doing what they do because they love it. They're highly compensated. They have freedom and independence. They make their own schedule. They bid on the jobs that they want. They apply their creativity and their passion into the products and the services that they offer their community. You may look at some of those jobs and say they're mundane, but they're not. They're not because these people are not employees. These people are doing exactly what they want to do, and they're earning a good living doing it. And when I talk about 112 hours a week, that doesn't mean that I sit in the office that long or someone that runs an auto body shop is, is sitting in his shop that long. It just means that every hour of the day that they're awake, they're thinking of new ways to improve their business, to improve that product or that service that they offer to people. They're thinking of ways to be more efficient, more effective, to earn a higher profit margin, to deliver a better quality product to their clients and their customers. That's why I say that they're working 112 hours a week. So when you see them out and they're shopping at Costco, or maybe they're watching their, their son or their grandchild playing soccer on a Saturday morning, well, they're doing that, but they're also working while they're doing those things. While they're out and about, they're networking, they're interacting with their customer base, they're meeting new clients, they're promoting their products and services, they're out there checking on the competition and seeing what the competitor's doing, what the competitor's offering. Their mind is always thinking, how can I make my products and services better? How can I better serve my client base? That's going through their mind 24 hours a day. I guarantee you it's something that they think about, it's something that they dream about, and it's not something that puts them into exhaustion. They don't wake up in the middle of the night in a nightmare. They wake up early in the morning and they're refreshed and they're excited to go out and apply the things that they were thinking about and dreaming about that night. So it's not something that wears them down, it's something that builds them up. So if you're at work, if you're working for a corporation or some other job, or you're, you know, you're working for the man, or even if you own your own company, whether it's a big firm or just a little solo practice that you do on your own. If you're not thrilled and excited and you're not out there pumped up every every day to be putting in 112 hours a week, if you're not passionately dreaming about your career and your job and your company and improving and making things better, then you need to step back and you need to assess your life. You need to think about how you can make improvements. How can you better structure your job or your career or the company that you own or whatever it is that you do for a living? How can you structure that so that's more in line and more in harmony with your lifestyle, with the lifestyle that you want to be living? Remember, I talk about wealth setting and being financially independent. It gives you an opportunity to carry out your mission on this earth. Whatever your creator puts you here on this earth to do, if you're doing those things, you'll be happy. And they're different. I'm not here to preach to you and tell you what you should be doing. But you know in your heart what you were born to do. It's just like being left-handed or right-handed. If you're right-handed and I force you to take a pencil and write with your left hand, it'll be awkward. It'll be hard for you to do. You'll be stressed out. But when you put that pencil in your right hand, you'll be able to write out perfectly. It's natural to you. And that's the way your career should be. That's the way whatever you're doing to earn a living, it should be that same way, whether you're right-handed or left-handed. It should be coming naturally to you. You shouldn't come home from work tired. You should come home from work motivated. Now, I can't tell you what you need to do to adjust either your lifestyle or adjust your career to make them align better. That's something you need to work on yourself. But I'm telling you, there is a way to align the two, to be able to align your career with the things that you love. Now, I'm not talking Pollyanna stuff, and I'm not talking about, you know, being a starving artist. There's a reason they call artists starving artists. It's because a lot of artists can't make a living doing what they love or what their passion is. Well, that's a reality, and I'm not telling you to pursue something you can't make money at. 
Maybe you're an artist and people don't like what you what you paint or what you draw. Or maybe right now it's just out of fashion, right? You know, Picasso and these guys, they didn't necessarily become famous in their lifetime. So maybe you're just out of sync and you need to tweak things that way. But take whatever it is you love, whether it's your artistic ability or your analytical mind or your reasoning ability or your ability to sing or make music or whatever it is you love and look at all the ways that you can make a living at it. And you have to be creative. You know, maybe you love to play golf. Personally, I hate to play golf. When I worked in the corporate world, the last thing I would ever want to do would be to go out and spend six hours on the golf course. Now, other people in, in my career field, they thrived on that. They loved that. That's how they entertained clients. It worked for them. It was very made them very successful. But for me, I would rather go dig a ditch than go play golf. But if you love to play golf, you may be saying to yourself, well, I'm going to try and be a professional golfer, or I'm going to you know, try and work at a golf course as a golf pro and make my living that way. Well, depending upon how talented you are, you may or you may not be able to do that. And as far as being a golf pro, I know some of them are well paid, but again, I haven't run into too many financially independent golf pros that make their living working at the country club. So maybe you want to think about another way you can tie that passion for golfing into ways to make a living. And again, it doesn't have to be a direct connection. Like I just mentioned about me being in corporate sales. Well, generally people in corporate sales, they do a lot, they spend a lot of time golfing. So maybe you could be a highly successful salesperson working for a corporation where you have an expense account where you're paid to take clients golfing once a week. You could be very successful at that. Your golfing passion would be intertwined to your means of earning a living, not because you're getting paid to play golf, but rather because your ability to play golf and to bond and to work with clients and to be able to network, that's what propels you and allows you to build the relationships to be a better salesman and consequently you can earn a lot of money. If you're that kind of guy, and again, I know people in, cor in the corporate world that have made a career doing this, even though you're only maybe playing golf a couple days a week, your whole work week is built around that those games. It's getting your clients excited that you're going to be taking them out, out to golf and you're going to be putting together golf tournaments for other sales outings. And when you go on, on customer calls and you're, you're, you're making sales calls, you're going to be talking about professional golf. You're going to be giving pointers and tips to your clients. Your whole modus operandi will be around golf, even though maybe you're, you know, you're selling widgets for some company. Again, this isn't Pollyanna. I've seen people make a living doing this kind of thing. So that's just one example of how maybe you're getting paid indirectly for what you love as a, as a hobby or a passion. But whatever it is, find out what your passion is. And, and I guess more importantly than not only your passion, but whatever your mission is, whatever you feel great about, whatever energizes you and makes you want to get up in the morning. Figure out how to have your business or your career aligned with your, your principles in life, the things that that motivates you, the things that make you tick, the things that make you want to get up in the morning and go out and go to work. And I assure you, it can be done in what, what are considered the, you know, these maybe mundane careers. And I hate to pick on plumbing contractors or auto body shop people because they are among the happiest people I know. In fact, I've said it many times before, some of the happiest people I've ever met are people that clean windows for a living. And you may say, well, how can a window cleaner be happy? Well, honestly, I don't know that I've ever met a man or a woman that owns their own window cleaning company and they weren't among the happiest people on the face of the earth. And some of these people were, were uh, owners of big companies that had, you know, had major cleaning contracts where they went out and they cleaned skyscrapers and they were up on scaffolding and had, had uh, safety harnesses and a whole team of people working for them or all the way down to the mom and pop little window cleaning company that just goes around and, and cleans residential windows seems maybe mundane or not important to you, 
But these people are happy because they're out working in, in an outdoor environment. They're not chained to an office. They make their own schedule. They're working with their hands. They're out in, in you know, the sunshine and they're breathing in fresh air every day. They're physically fit because they're, they're working for a living, but it's not the kind of work that breaks their back so they can do it when they're 60 years old. It's a lot of upper body strength. If you know someone that cleans windows, go out and feel their bicep or tricep. They're like Hulk Hogan. They're in excellent shape. They're very healthy people, and they're happy. And you know what? Most people don't want to clean their own windows, so they're also highly compensated. There's a lot of things out there you can do. You just need to find out what's right for you. The final thing I want to mention about working 112 hours a week is to remember, I mean, this is really the key takeaway. You're not chained up to your office for those 112 hours. You're out in the world doing the things that you love and doing the things that you're good at, and as you pursue those things, you're finding ways to improve your business. You're finding ways to make your product or your service better. You're doing that by studying your competitors. You're doing that by interacting with your clients. You're doing that by reaching out and talking to new prospects and new markets. You can't sit in your office and achieve any of those things. You have to be out in the real world doing them. And so you incorporate those things with other events and activities that you like to do. Like I mentioned, the guy that likes to play golf. That becomes another great aspect of owning your own business or your own firm, and it's because if you're living a lifestyle business, then much of what you do becomes a business expense. Now, a lot of people always want to know, well, hey, how can I get a great business write-off, or how can I save on my taxes by starting my own company? Well, that's absolutely the wrong reason to start your own business or your own firm, but it's a great way to live your business. You see, if you have a lifestyle business, then virtually everything you do is a business expense. And if it is a legitimate business expense, and I want to specify here, I want to say it loud and clear, if it is a legitimate business expense, then you can expense it. You can deduct it. It is a cost of doing business, and that is a, another benefit of having your business or your career structured around your lifestyle. If you're that guy that loves to golf and you're golfing for business reasons and it's a legitimate business expense, if it's a legitimate entertaining deduction, then the IRS lets you take that deduction. So that's something you should think about too as you're forming your business or as you're looking at what type of a company you want to set up to complement your lifestyle. Think of all the things that you would maybe be doing anyways that you can be doing with clients and somehow in the pursuit of your business so that it becomes a business expense. Let me give you a for example. Whenever you go to Hawaii, you're going to Hawaii on a vacation. Whenever I go to Hawaii, I'm going to Hawaii to meet with a client. So my trip to Hawaii becomes a business expense because it's legitimate. I'm meeting with a client. I therefore have travel expenses. I have entertaining expenses. These things are all very proper, very legal, and the IRS lets you deduct them. So think of it this way. When you're in Hawaii on vacation, do you think that you're having any better of a time than I'm having when I'm in Hawaii with a client on a business trip? No. In fact, I'm having a better time because I'm enjoying the same sunshine and the lifestyle and the food and all the things that you're enjoying, and my business is paying for it where you're paying for it with your discretionary income with after-tax dollars. That's the difference between a lifestyle business and just a regular career. And it applies to all areas of your life. Heck, whenever you're talking to a beautiful woman, your wife thinks you're flirting. But you know what? Whenever I'm talking to a beautiful woman, Mrs. Pugliano knows that I'm just discussing 50-day moving averages. So there you have it. I don't know anybody that's working a four-hour work week, but I know plenty of people that are working 112 hours a week, and they're excited, they're passionate, they're living life to the fullest, and they're doing that because they're either pursuing a career that they love or they have their own business that allows them to earn a living while they're doing the things that they enjoy. 
So I encourage you to think about the things in your own life that you can do to make that happen. Well, as always, if you have questions or concerns or you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do that through the website, wealthsteading.com. Until our next episode, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best of returns.